All right, we're beginning here on the top of Samach Dalad with the new parak. Now we're shifting gears to what we call Petach Neder, something that we bumped into before, which is the ability to release someone from their Neder. Part of that requirement is Lo Yachel Divaro. person may not profane their word, but Acherim Chelim Bishvilo. But others can cause him to profane or to release him from the Neder. And so we otherwise known as a Petach Neder. Earlier on the Masechta, we discussed the word Petach, whether petach comes from the word to open, meaning petach neder means that you open with this item, or petach neder is simply a more generic statement about the ability to release one from the neder. Now, obviously, that machloki would carry over here to the Mishnah as well as what the meaning of the word potuchim is. Now, Rabbi Lezer Omer, potuchim na'adam b'chvod aviv v'imo. One is allowed to use the honor of one's parents in order to generate the petach neder. As the Rosh notes over here, this is a case where the individual himself does not have regret about the neder. Because we already established early on the Masechta that you are allowed to open with charata. So the individual himself has charata, that would have been fine. But here he doesn't well, He doesn't come and offer to us the fact that he regrets taking the neder. He's coming to the Chacham looking for him to help him get a petach the neder. And what Belezer says is he's allowed to use kvodaviv v'imo. Now, quote of Ibn the Rishonim over here discuss whether that is because of the embarrassment he is to his parents or the embarrassment that will be caused because people will speak disparagingly about his parents. You can see in Rashi it says, right, Woe is such a parent that brought up a child like this who is so mekil bin nidarim or parutz bin nidarim. You have Another by the Rosh says, "Ru'u gidulim shigidaltem kama b'neichem kal b'nederim b'nimseit misalzel b'chvodam." So over there, you see this idea that the kavod of the parents is is hurt by the fact that his behavior is subpar. That's the way that most of the Rishonim describe it. Tosafot over here brings an alternate, and the Rosh brings an even more extreme view of what Tosafot is proposing over here, which is Tosafot says that in another daya that it's not that. The embarrassment is him, and people will speak disparagingly about him, and therefore that will cause embarrassment to his parents, but rather people will speak disparagingly about the parents who brought up such a child. And their cause, the cause of the embarrassment is that people will accuse them of causing this person to act in such a manner. Or, as the Ran says here, and the more extreme view is, Lashon Acher, Shemru, Shata, Lamarata, Mehem, Shavhem, Zalzim, Bednedarim. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and therefore, if you're mizalzel in the darim, that means that your parents were certainly mizalzel bin the darim. We have a similar concept at the end of the Gemara in Sukkah, in the last daf in Sukkah, daf nun vav amud bet. The Gemara over there says that shuta de yonoka b'shuka odavuel duime. When you hear a child speaking in the shuk, then what is coming out of their mouth either came from their mother or came from their father. That it's part of the education of the home. So if a child conducts themselves in such a manner. And here we're talking about Nidarim, we would assume that it's the parents that set that example. And since they set the example, that's what will be the negative statements that are made about the parents and disparaging comments that will be made about the parents. So now, Rabbi Lezer's suggestion is that we are putrim la dam that we allow that to be used as a method for petach neder. We say to him, had you known that your parents would be embarrassed by your behavior, or had you known that people would speak disparagingly about your parents, what have you taken this nether? 
as Rabbi Lezer says, is permissible to use that as a method for putting poteach in the nether. Chachamim utzrim. On the other hand, the Chachamim say that that is not a way to open a nether. The Chachamim here are oser because we assume that the individual is not going to tell the truth in this instance, which is that he's just going to say, he's too embarrassed to say that he doesn't really care what his parents think, or he doesn't care how people speak about his parents, or what disparaging comments are being made. So since he's too embarrassed to admit the truth, what we're going to end up with is a petach the nether, even if he doesn't really regret the nether. And that's why the chamim are stream over here, because we can't get to the essence of his feelings, we can't get to his true feelings about the nether, because people are too embarrassed to tell the truth about this issue. Obviously, Rabbi Eliezer believes differently that a person will speak about his parents in this manner. Now, the Rambam here has an unusual shita. The Rambam in Perish Mishnayot says that Rabbi Eliezer's shita is that you actually don't even need a petach neder because he says, He doesn't need shelat chacham or that by itself the neder dissolves when a person says this. That is Rabbi Eliezer's shita here, that it dissolves automatically based on the fact that a person admits or agrees to the fact that if he had known that it was his parent, this would embarrass his parents, or that he regrets embarrassing his parents, or causing them this difficulty, that it would automatically dissolve, and you wouldn't even need a petach neder. That's the Rambam's opinion, but the majority of Rishonim believe that you have to get this petach through a chacham. Amar Abit Sadok, well, according to Rabbi Eliezer, if you're going to use the honor of his parents, why don't you use the honor of a Kaddish Baruch Hu? And if you use the honor of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, then you will have every nether will have that petach. You won't have to worry about petach of avivimo. And Mishnah says then, imkain ain't nidarim nitarim, or imkain amrulo imkain ain't nidarim nitarim. So there are different girsaot here. The question of who is speaking at this point is unclear. Is it Rabbi Tzadok that is speaking over here? And it's the continuation of his statement, which is, well, Rabbi Eliezer, if you're going to allow us to do Petach Neder Bechvod Avivimo, let's also use Bechvod Makom. And then if you use Bechvod Makom, it's clear that that's going to make a Petach for every Neder. Every Neder, you could say about it, had you known that Akash Baruch would not be happy with this, would you have taken the Neder? Then there are no more Nedarim. So clearly, when you have a Petach that's too good, then that's not a real petach, because that is something that everybody will agree to, and doesn't really tell us about the true feelings of the individual towards the nether. And so Rabbi Tzadok's criticism of Rabbi Eliezer is, if you're going to use Kvod Avivimo, then use Kvod Makom. And we know if you use Kvod Makom, that makes all Nidarim meaningless. And if that's the case, then Kvod Avivimo should also be problematic. The other way to read it is that the Chachamim are responding to Rabbi Tzadok and saying, that Enochanami, Rabbi Lezer, agrees that you can't be poteach before the makom. That's just obvious that anybody who you ask them this question, would you do this if you knew a Kodesh Baruch Hu would be upset? Or would you do this if a person who takes a nether is called a rasha, which we saw earlier on in the Mesechta, that anybody who takes such a nether is called a rasha, would you have done such a thing? And they say no, that nobody would ever answer in the affirmative about that, and therefore... Even Rabbi Eliezer would agree in that instance that this doesn't work as a petach neder. So this is the Chachamim's defense for Rabbi Eliezer, saying that even Rabbi Eliezer would agree in this instance. Then we say, Modim Chachamim le Rabbi Eliezer. Chachamim agreed to Rabbi Eliezer, B'davar shbeinod ben avivimo. That if the neder involves an issue between him and his parents, then kvod avivimo become relevant. Because in that instance, we know that he's not so makpid 
on the Kvod of Vivimo, because the fact that he took the original neder, that in some sense is negative or disparaging towards his parents, and that didn't bother him. If that didn't bother him, then we know he's going to tell the truth. Because if he really cares about Kvod of Vivimo, then he'll tell us that. If he doesn't care, he already showed us once that he doesn't care, then he'll show us again that he doesn't care about Kvod of Vivimo. Over here, we don't worry about him telling the truth. We assume we'll get the truth out of him because of the mere fact that he took the nether originally, which was something that was not appropriate vis-a-vis his parents. And if he did that, then already we can assume that he won't lie to us and tell us that the quote of Vivimo is bothering him now, if it really is not bothering him. Now, with regards to his Rebbe, Yushami asks, what's the din? Can you be poteach b'chvod rabo? Yushami says that you could not use kvod rabo because morabach k'morashamayim. Like the Mishnah of Hod says that the fear of one's Rebbe is like the fear of heaven. And therefore, poteach kvod rabo is the equivalent of being botchim b'chvod hamakom. And since the two are equated, just like even Rabbi Lezer would seemingly agree that ain't potchim b'chvod hamakom, then everybody agrees it's ain't potchim b'chvod rabo. That's what the Ran quotes from the Yerushalmi over here. Over here, Rabbi Lezer adds an additional item. Tosafot over here mentions the word va'od, as well as the Ran mentions the word od over here is not unnecessary, because even though we switch from Rabbi Lezer to the Chachamim's position, and now we come back to discuss Rabbi Lezer's position, the Gemara in Eruvin asks on a Mishnah, why are you saying va'od? What is the old? Just put the position together. Keep Rabbi Lezer's positions together. Over here, both Tosafot and the Ran note that the old is appropriate because over here it's another kula that Rabbi Lezer is bringing. Rabbi Lezer had a kula in the beginning of the Mishnah, which is Potchem Bechvod Avivimo. And now Rabbi Lezer is about to introduce, to introduce us to another kula within Petach Neder, which is Potchem Benolad. You're allowed to use as a Petach Neder something new that arose. And the Chamim say that that is not the case. Ketzad, what's an example of something like this? Amar, Konam Shani Ne'ne Person takes a nether, Konam Shani Ne'ne Li'ishploni, that he takes a nether that he will not benefit from a certain individual. And then that individual becomes a sofer. Rashi brings down two interpretations as to what a sofer is, whether it means a sofer literally, that he is a scribe, and if he's the town scribe now, and anytime he needs a contract, a tuba or a get, anything that he wants, he needs to go to this guy. And now he's in a bind, because he took a nether not to get an off from him. Or, the sofer over here made a Talmud Chacham. And he became a Talmud Chacham, and all of a sudden he needs to ask him Shiloh, or he needs to get benefit from him. Oh, Shayam is Siyad Bino. Or, in an instance where he took a nether enough from someone not to get an off from them, and then that individual's marrying off his son, and he's having a big wedding, and this individual wants to attend the wedding. Says, had I known if he would have become a sofer, oh, or that this guy was going to marry off his son in the near term, I would have never taken such a nether. Now the Mishnah brings another example. Takes a nether that I won't enter into this house, and then that house gets sold and made into a shul. Amar, he says, had I known it was going to be made into a shul, I would never taken such a nether. Now here the Gemara goes back, the Mishnah goes back over this according to the Ran because it gave all these different examples. And what the Mishnah is telling us is that Rabbi Lezer thinks in all of these examples that it's mutar, that nolad is not a problem. And the Chachamim As far as Rabbi Lezer's sheet, the Gemara will discuss my time with the Rabbi Lezer. What's the reasoning behind Rabbi Lezer's position? As far as the Chachamim's position, it seems pretty obvious. 
that Noah does not work. And here the Rosh formulates it in this way, which is, Udavar she'enu matsui, it's something that's not common, it fails to make it into a problematic neder from the origins of the neder. And if you remember, we've discussed this in the past, that the difference between what we call petach neder and haparata neder, haparata neder is when the husband or the father has a right to nullify either the spouse's or the child's neder. When they exercise that right, hafara is a prospective nullification of the neder. That means from that point forward, the neder is nullified. On the other hand, the way that Petach, the nether works with the Chacham, is that he's oker mi'ikaro, that he undermines the nether from its start, basically saying, had I had this information in hand at the time of the nether, I would have never taken the nether. And what the Rosh points out is, you can only say that about information that was available at the time of the nether. If something happens after the time that the nether was taken, and now you say, oh, had I had that information, I would have taken the nether. It's just not true, because you couldn't have had that information at that time. Something changed. Something new happened. And therefore, it's not information. Had you known that information at the time, you wouldn't have taken the nether because that information was not available to you. And therefore, even within the position of the Chachamim, there'll be a difference between Dvarim that are Mitzuyim and Dvarim She'ena Mitzuyim. Things that are commonly found and things that are uncommon. If something is plausible or something is on a percentage basis, you could expect it to happen then you could use it, even if it's quote-unquote no lie, it happens after the fact, you could use that as a petach the neder, because a person at the time they take the neder could make a reasonable assumption that something like this would happen. On the other hand, if this is a far-fetched case or an unusual outcome, then in that instance, you would not assume that he had that information or would have had that information at the time of the neder, and then it becomes a problem of no lie. So again, with the examples in our Mishnah, it's not common that a house turns into a shul. That's a much more unusual circumstance rather than a usual circumstance. People don't think when they speak about a house that the house is going to turn into a Beit Knesset and it's not something you would have assumed. So if it happens, that's no lot. The same is true of here where an individual is marrying off his son. It's not every day that a person is marrying off their son or it's not something that you should have considered or had to, you could have known at that time. That is something that changed at a certain period of time. And therefore, it's not considered to be available information the time you took the nether. And the same is true with a person turning into a Talmud Chacham or a person turning into a Sofer. Because these were more unusual circumstances, therefore, they're considered to be no lad. Now, in this context, the Ran, earlier on in the Masechta, asked with regards to Rabbi Kiva and Kalba Sabua. Over there, Kalba Sabua took a nether that his daughter can't get enough from him because she had married Rabbi Akiva, who was a Roet's own, and was inappropriate that she had married him. Later on, after Rabbi Akiva becomes a tremendous Tamachocham and he has all those Tamidim and returns, Kabbalah Sabot goes to be Matir Neder to Rabbi Akiva. And the nature of the Hatarat Neder seems to be the fact that he's now a huge Tamachocham. So over there, the Bishonim give different reasons as to why that's not considered to be Nobat. Some suggest that Rabbi Akiva found a Petach Neder from another location. It wasn't the fact that Rabbi Akiva was a Tamachocham, but rather they used some other Petach Neder. The Ran back there said that the reason was that Rabbi Kiva's premise of his marriage was that he was going to go learn. And therefore, it was not an implausible outcome that Rabbi Kiva was going to turn into a Talmud Chacham because the condition of his marriage when he got married was that he was going to go learn and become a Talmud Chacham. And therefore, it was not a din in Nolad. And that's why it's not subject to the rules of Nolad in our Mishnah. In addition, if in our Mishnah you think that the word sofer means a scribe instead of a Talmud Chacham, then it would be 
also not problematic because then Rabbi Akiva became a Tabar Chacham, which is something that anybody can do. Anybody can acquire knowledge. And anybody can become a Tabar Chacham. It's so fair, at least in their day, to have someone who could write was less common and not a given that everybody would get to that level of literacy or ability to write. And therefore, that would be considered no lad versus a Talmud Chacham. I think you're right that today it might be the reverse. You know, everybody writes and nobody learns. Back then, it could be easier to learn and nobody wrote. So it might have changed. Times might have changed. The other way to solve the problem is based on what the Rosh said here, which is umayrish enumitcharet miikara. That the whole instance here of Nolah, the potrim v'chodavivimo, is when he does not come regretting the nether up front. But in the instance where he regrets the nether himself, where he has charata on the nether, then you don't have to worry about potrim v'nolad because you're not using a petach, using charata, but it's his charata that is generating the nether, and therefore that could be another way that you could explain the issue by Kalbas Tabua, that he regretted the issue, and therefore it wasn't poteach b'nolad, because he wasn't doing a petach the nether. He was using charata as the methodology for releasing the nether. And some still explain that the nether was not taken against Rabbi Kiva, it was taken against Rabbi Kiva's wife, Kabbalah's daughter. And so therefore, Rabbi Kiva's being a Tamar Chokham is a separate issue from the fact that Kabbalah was displeased with his daughter. So his problem was that he was displeased with his daughter because he thought she made a bad choice. But now he realizes that his daughter was really a wise girl and made a really good choice. And therefore, it wasn't something that was no lad because his daughter was a good girl and had a head on her shoulders. And she made a good choice at that time. Just Kabbalah Sabo couldn't see that. But again, these are things that could have been reasonably understood or if he had the full amount of information that he might have come to the same conclusion. So because of that, here we have a machloket in our mission over two issues between Rabbi Lezer and the Chachamim. Rabbi Lezer is making in both instances. One is potchim b'chod avivimo, according to Rabbi Eliezer. And number two is potchim b'nolad. So now, the Gemara asks about Rabbi Tzadok's position there, that if we allow you petach the nether with regards to the makom, with regards to Kodesh Baruch nidarim nitarim, that it doesn't work, or there is no nidarim. So what does that mean? My ain't nidarim. What does it mean that there are no nidarim based on that is said about that statement of Rabbi Tzadok? That's the explanation. The explanation of ain't nidarim means that they are not, therefore, opened properly. Not that there are no nidarim. You could take a nether, but every nether is going to be subject to this clause that says that, well, if you think that God's not going to be happy with this nether, then I can get a petach the nether. But if you use that as your methodology for petach the nether, you're not going to get the truth out of anybody because everybody's going to lie and say, of course, who's going to stand there and say, I don't care what God says. I don't care that God thinks I'm a rasha. Most people will not say that, and therefore they're going to be mad to the nether, being too embarrassed to say that they really don't care. Now, later on in this parak, the Mishnayot are going to discuss a case where a person, potrim lo, b'shabatot, ubiyomim tovim, or potrim lo, with other things that relate to a specific mitzvah, lo tikom, lo titor, right, all of those isurim that you're involved or that you are in violation of when you take a neder, so we're allowed to be poteach with those. That's what the Mishnayot say later in the parak. So the Ran over here notes that there's a difference between those issues and being poteach b'makom. A person will say, or a person's willing to violate a single mitzvah of the Torah. He'll admit that. It says, Lotikom, Lotitori says, I don't care. Uh, this guy made me so angry, I gotta do it. That's it. But to say that a person will take on a Kodesh Brochu face to face and just say, I don't care what God says, that's much less likely. 
And therefore, they differentiate between the potrimlo b'kvodemakom in our instance of the Mishnah, which everybody seemingly agrees is problematic, because over there, it's saying, you don't care what God thinks, you don't care that God's going to call you a rasha now, or God thinks of you as a rasha, that a person will not have the brazenness to say yes to. And then they had, if a person is in violation of a single mitzvah, it says, you know, listen, do you know that you might be in violation of lotikom, lotitor? The guy says, I don't care, I'm so angry. I just need to do this. I need to take care of it. That a person is willing to do. So that's how the Rishonim differentiate between what's said in our Mishnah over here versus what's said in the upcoming Mishnayot of our parak. That's a biased view as to what a Nidarim is over here. Rav Amar, Imkain, a Nidarim nishalim lechacham. The Rav says, no, the problem is different. The problem is not that we're not going to get to a proper Petach Lenedr, is that we're going to eliminate the need for Petach Lenedr here. The guy's going to say, oh, Potrim b'kvodem akom? then I can do this by myself. I don't need anybody else to do this for me. If it's all about, you know, worrying about what a Karsh Baruch said, next time this comes around, I'll just take care of it myself. And he doesn't realize what we said before, that the Torah says, Lo yechel divaro, that he's not allowed to be profane his words. He's not allowed to create a petach for himself. You have to go to someone else in order to create the petach, the nether. That's one issue. The second issue being that, according to Rova, there's a possibility that people will then take Nidarim lightly because they'll assume that I can always take care of it myself. I can be poteach the nether myself. I don't need to go to Chacham. And they will conflate the petach the nether of Fodemakom with other petachim of a nether which are not the same and not so easy. And so we're worried about the way that people will relate to Nidarim in the future if we're not their nether with something that is so global with regards to Nidarim. So it's not. Our Mishnah says, that the Chachamim agreed to Rabbi Lezer's position in an instance where the neder relates to his parents. Then we allow him to use Kvod According to Abayi's understanding of the Mishnah, then, then Nidarim are not Nitar, or Ein Nidarim Nitarim As we said before in the Mishnah, once he's already been mechutzaf to take a nether against his parents, that we don't worry about him when we're potech before the vivimo. He's going to tell us the truth. If he's already mechutzaf to say, I'm taking a nether against my parents, then I'll be mechutzaf again to say, yes, I want to keep the nether. I don't care about my parents. And I'll keep it in place. So that we don't worry about. And that's why we'll be potechim before the vivimo, even according to the chachamim. That you would say this would set a bad precedent by which people would not come to the chacham. Hachamai potchim. Over here, why would the chachamim allow you to be poteach before the vivimo? Because Amri, Kevin dechol nidre lo sagi lohon, the love chacham, hachanami potchim. So therefore, over here, it's not as global. When you're talking about for the makom, you're talking about something that's completely global. And since it's completely global, any nether, you can be mat to that nether with for the makom. On the other hand, when you're talking about here, Kevin dechol nidre lo sagi lohon, over here, not every nether can be niftach, except with the case where it involves his parents. And so therefore, the person who's been getting the direct nether over here, only in a case where he takes the nether related to his parents is he going to be able to use a petach of kvoda vivimo, according to the chachamim. But there'll be plenty of other nedarim, the losagin lohon, the lav chacham, that don't work without going to the chacham to get the petach the nether. And that's why you're allowed to do it here. Since it's less of a global reason, that's why over here, Rav says, 
that even the Chachamim will agree that you're allowed to do this. Even though it could set the same bad, quote-unquote, precedent that this person will then say, ah, this is easy to get rid of Nidarim, I could just go about Kvod Hashem, I could also do this Kvod Avibimo, but because the Chachamim limit the times or the Nidarim where you can use Kvod Avibimo, it will not result in the same problematic outcome. And since it will not result in the same problematic outcome because it doesn't work by every neder, then we don't worry about him then extrapolating this to every nether and saying, ah, I don't need a chacham anymore. Because he knows by other nidarim, he has to go to the chacham. This doesn't work by other nidarim. It only works in these particular nidarim. And because of that, we're not worried about it becoming a global precedent by which he won't go to the chacham anymore. So the Ran actually over here brings two ways to explain this. Gemara, about what exactly is the position of Rabbi Lezer versus the chachamim within the position of Rava. He says that Vakashalan, Ima high time Modi Rabbi Lezer Bikvoda Makom, I might polig bikvoda vivimo. The question is, if Rabbi Lezer agrees by Kvoda Makom that it doesn't work, then why doesn't he agree before the Vivimo? Because we should worry about the same reason. The same reason he thinks Kvod Makom doesn't work, he should say the same thing by Kvoda Vivimo. Bevshar the Sri Rabbi Lezer, the Ikanidarim, the Kile Kule Hai, because maybe there are nidarim where there's a possibility that they're not so bad or they're not so problematic that would cause embarrassment to his parents. So therefore you can distinguish between Kvod HaMakom and Kvod Aviv Vimo. The Rabbanon, Svirlo, Dimita, the Potrim, the Kulu, Nidare, Sagre, Imkene, Nidarim, Nishalim, the Chacham, Ilkach, Bechulu, Ein Potrim. And therefore, they say, according to Rava, if a person thinks that this is a sufficient reason to be potech the nether, that he's not going to differentiate between some nidarim like this, some nidarim like that. He's just going to assume that that's a global problem. Then he says, This is the machlok between Abai and Rava. Amar Abai. This is the reason why Rabbi Lezer agrees with the Chachamim with regards to Kvod Makom, that's exactly what he's arguing about. The Rabbi Lezer doesn't care about but the Rabbanan do worry about this. When it comes to the Kvod HaKadosh Baruch over there you have to worry about the fact that people are not going to be honest. When it comes to Kvoda Vivimo, even the Chachamim don't worry about Because so the two ways that the Ran learns this machlok between Abai and Rava is how much does Rava disagree with Abai? Is Rava fundamentally disagreeing with Abai about the reasoning behind Rabbi Lezer and the Chachamim's position? And Abai thinks that Rabbi Lezer says, by Kvod HaMakom, we do worry about this problem of Eni Tarim Yafeh. And that same problem applies by Kvod Vivimo. But Rabbi Lezer says, by Kvod Vivimo, it's not so applicable because it could be that it's a nether that's not so embarrassing. It's not something that's as apparently obvious that a person would give up the nether because of Kvod Vivimo versus Kvod Makom. But the Chachamim believe any Tarim Yafeh means it doesn't matter. Whether it's Kvod Makom or Kvod Vivimo, person's not going to be honest. That's what Abayi thinks the Machloket is. Along comes Rav and says, no, their Machloket is about whether this is going to lead to a bad outcome where you're not going to go to the Chacham. 
And that means that Rabbi Lezer agrees by Kvoda Makom that you're not going to go to a Chacham. Whereas by Kvoda Vivimo, he doesn't think that that's a problem. Whereas the Chachamim think it is a problem. But their Machloket is, fundamentally, what is the reason behind Rabbi Lezer and the Chachamim's Machloket? The other way to learn is that Rova really agrees to Abayi's position. And he says, you're right. Eni Tarim Yafeh is a good reason. And it's a good enough reason to explain Kvoda Makom. By Kvoda Makom, Eni Tarim Yafeh. And everybody agrees that Eni Tarim Yafeh. Like you said, Abai. Everybody agrees by Kvoda Makom, Eni Tarim Yafeh. And based on that, we won't be Matir Neder by Kvoda Makom. Revelation of agrees to that. But that's not the reason behind their Machloket with regards to Kvoda Vivimo. By Kvoda Vivimo, there the question comes up about fear that if we allow him to use this, he won't come to the Chacham anymore. So the question is, does Rava only disagree with regards to Kvoda Vivimo? Or does Rava disagree even with regards to Kvoda Makom? Now by limiting Rava's position, it will actually turn out to make it that we might paskin like a Baye. Which is here, you have a Machloket to buy in Rova, generally we paskin like Rova. But over here, many of the Rishonim paskin like a Baye because they don't view Rova as arguing completely on a Baye. That Rova is just an extension of a Baye's position, not disagreeing fundamentally with a Baye's position. He agrees fundamentally that a Baye is right. It just says that the application by the case of Kvoda Vivimo is not as apparent, and therefore he brings the secondary reason over there. But he doesn't disagree with Abayi's reasoning. And therefore, if that's the case, we would paskin like Abayi's reasoning. That's why many of the Rishonim bring that down as a psakalocha, that Abayi's position of Eni Tarim Yafeh is a part of the problem over here, or is something that we have to worry about. All right, now, V'hudamar, Rebelezer Potchim Binolad. Lezer says we are poteach minolad. My time of the Rabbi Lezer. What is the reason behind Rabbi Lezer? All the Rishonim say over here, the Rabbanan's position is obvious, and the Rabbanan's position makes more sense. So the Gemara is not asking what's the position of the Chachamim with regards to Nolad. We understand that already. And that was based on the Rosh's comment before, that when it's something that's Lomatsui, how you okir a nether mi'ikara, if this is something that happened prospectively, it happened after the nether, and it could be something that you didn't have a reasonable consideration at the time of the nether. But Rabbi Lezer's position is how does Nolad work? Summer of Christa Damakra, the Apostle says, Hashem says to Moshe Rabbein, you can go back to Mitzrayim now because anybody who wanted to kill you is dead. Now this presumes or assumes a certain amount of the Midrashim that are associated with Moshe's stay by Yitro. And it says there, Vayol Moshe, Chazal Darshan Vayol Moshe, that he took a nether to Yitro, that he wouldn't leave without getting Yitro's permission before he left. And we see that Moshe Rabbeinu goes back to Yitro to get permission before he leaves. Now, here, the Rishonim, say that his nether really didn't involve Yitro. It wasn't really a promise to Yitro. It was a fear of his life that if he went back to Mitzrayim, that he would be killed. So he took the nether to Yitro because he had no reason to go back to Mitzrayim. If he went back to Mitzrayim, he'd be dead. So once you eliminated that problem or that cause, then the nether would be nullified. And basically what the Rishonim are saying here is that a Kodesh Baruch was matir nether for Moshe Rabbeinu with regards to his taking of the nether now, it still seems like he has to live up to his half of the bargain to go tell Yitro before he leaves. But as far as the nether itself is concerned, the nether is no longer effective because of the fact that the real reason behind the nether was the fear of those people that would kill him. Kashbrochu comes and says, Mita is not something, death is not something that you expect. Now, we do have this in the Gemara, discusses this in other places with regards to Mita, and Tosafo takes up the issue. Death is not something that we worry about in the near term. It's only something that we worry about in the long term. In the long term, everybody dies. So therefore, you would assume that mitah, in that instance, is something that is not nolad, 
That's something that is common. So in the only case that we worry about mitah is when the person is a goses. If a person's on their deathbed or a person's very ill, then we do assume that that person will pass away. So in taking into consideration mitah, a goses we assume does die. If a person's alive and healthy, we do not assume that they die. Therefore, the example that is brought by the Gemara is if he sends a korban to the Mikdash. And a person brings a korban on behalf of someone, we don't have to worry about the fact that possibly the Balim died. Because mitah is not shechicha. It's not something that's common. So, in this case as well, mitah, the fact that the people that wanted to kill him died, is not shechicha. It's not something that he could have assumed or presumed or known at the time of his nether. And therefore, it's considered to be nolad. Mikan. Because it's from here, Pshaputchim bin Olad. You're allowed to use Nolad. So now, since Rabbi Lezer now has precedence in the Pasuk and from God, then he has a right to say here, Nolad does work. Now you have to ask, what's the Chachamim's reasoning? How do they explain this Pasuk and not make it into Nolad? They said they didn't die. That's not what happened over here. Anytime the Torah uses the term Nitzim and Nitzavim, it refers to Datan Vaviram. And that is because we have other instances where Datan Vaviram show up and they cause problems. In the context in which they show up and cause problems, over there the Torah uses the word Nitzu and Nitzavim. It's used once in Adat Korach. It calls them Nitzavim. And later on in Parshat Pinchas, where it enumerates the Am, over there, it caused those that Nitsu out the virus Shem, those that caused the problem or rebelled against Hashem. So it uses both of those verbs with regards to the Tanah Aviram. And then, basically extrapolating that back to other instances where there are problematic people appearing, the Gemara assumes from a Midrashic, a Gadic, Shava, that those people are also the Tanah Aviram. So you have Shnei Anashim Nitzim. When Moshe Rabbeinu gets involved with those Jews that were fighting, it says those two Jews that are fighting are Datan of Viram because it says uses the term Nitzim over there. Tosavot over here says that this Gzeir Shav only applies by Nitzim and that's that instance by Moshe Rabbein where the two Jews are fighting. And even though the Gemara says here Nitzim and Nitzavim everywhere it says that it's Datan of Viram it only means that one instance of Nitzim. On the other hand the Rosh says no that's not the case because Nitzim appears by Shmot in the beginning by the Shnei Anashim Nitzim and that is connected to but it said in Parshat Pinchas, who datan vabriyam al Moshe, and Nitzavim is also an instance by Guat Moshe Vetaron Nitzavim Likratam, which is in Shmot when they come to complain to Moshe Vetaron all the problems that are being caused by their going to Paro and trying to get the Jews freed. It says they're Nitzavim, and we have in Adat Korach, but it says datan vabriyam yatsu Nitzavim, and that's the Gezer Shav in that instance with regards to Nitzavim. So the Rosh says that Nitzim and Nitzavim are used in the Gzeir Shava, and that we have two insta- one instance in each case where it's written explicitly that it's them, and one instance where it's used that it's not explicitly them, and we're using the Agadic Gzeir Shava to say that it was with them as well. So what the Chachamim are saying now is that the Tan Vaviram, who were the ones who got him in trouble in the first place, in terms of being Malshin to Paro, we know they're still alive because they appear in Adat Korach later on. So obviously they're not dead. Well, if they're not dead, then why is God telling them they're dead? That they became impoverished. And that's why Hashem says that they're dead. That we have other instances where a person is considered to be dead, even though they're not dead. One of those is an individual who does not have children. 
Shnemar, because Rachel says to Yaakov, Havuli banim, bein ayin meita anochi. That give me children, because if you don't give me children, meita anochi. It's as if I have passed away, as if I'm dead. So here Rachel makes such a statement. Without children, she is as if she is dead. Part of that might have to do with the nature of our purpose on earth and the reason the etra of a human being's existence is to do chesed and to give to others. That's how we emulate a Kodesh Baruch Hu. That's how we act like a Kodesh Baruch Hu. That's what a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants from us. The ultimate chesed comes through the giving through a child. And that is the chesed where there's really no return in a sense and there's a chesed that it's a one-way street. That type of chesed is the ultimate chesed that a person engages in. And therefore, when a person doesn't have children, they're considered kamate because they lack that ability to give chesed in such a manner. Obviously, you can get around that by adopting a child or by becoming a rabbi, by becoming a teacher. I mean, you can simulate the chesed that a parent does for a child by becoming that type of person, even though the person doesn't literally have children. But in essence, that's what the Gemara seems to say over here, that if a person doesn't have children, he's chashuv kamet because he lacks that ability to give in such a manner, to do the chesed in such a manner. Now he has to search it out. He has to actively engage in it rather than it being something that is a natural outcome of his being a parent. Betanya, and we have a brighter, arba'a chashuvim kamet. There are four people that are considered like a mate. Ani, someone who's impoverished. Mitzora, someone who has sarat and nigaim. Suma, someone who's blind. Mishen banim, and someone who has no children. Tosafot says over here that nafkamina with regards to these individuals, kamina let me buy like That the nafkamina about these four people be considered the mate is that we daven for them and that person should daven on their behalf. Ani, how do we know that Ani is considered to be Kamei? Based on the Pasuk over here, that Datan Vaviram, who Hashem claims has died, and they're not dead. So what is the possibility? Is that they were Aniim, that they were impoverished. Now we'll discuss in a second why, out of all the four different things they could have picked here, they picked that item. Mitzorah, Dichtiv Ani, Na That by Moshe Rabbeinu, he's speaking about Miriam. To a Kodesh Baruch, when he's begging a Kodesh Baruch, Kel Na, Rafa Na Allah, that Hashem should cure her, that she shouldn't be like someone who is dead. So she, he describes his sister as being someone who is dead because she has Tzorat. So that's what, again, we say, Suma, this is from Minyona Dioma, we just read it in Eicha today on Tisha Olam. That you kept me in darkness, you took me through darkness like Olam, like those are dead. That someone who is always in darkness Someone who's unable to see or guide themselves. They're like someone who has passed away. They're like someone who is dead. From this, we learn some of the lachot of Tisha B'Av and Machshakim Shivani, which is the reason that we dim the lights in the shul when we read Eicha on the night of Tisha B'Av is because of Machshakim Shivani Kimete Olam. That's one of the reasons that we dim the lights because of this idea or this concept that we're in darkness. We're wandering without any guidance. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what's happening to us anymore. So that's true in darkness, but for someone who's always in that darkness, then it's the same or the equivalent, and that's kemete olam, that like someone who's passed away. Umishen lo banim, and someone doesn't have children, yichtiv, by the pasuk that we saw by Rachel, avali banim, vim ayin meita anochi. Because if you don't give me children, then I'll be like someone who is dead. So we see by all of these cases, in these four instances, each of these individuals, therefore, is deemed to be vimate. And as I mentioned before, and I think this is said by Rabbi Smulevitz in the Sichut Musar, is that in each of these cases, these individuals lack the capacity or the ability to do chesed, to do the ultimate chesed and to emulate a Kodesh Baruch Hu. 
The person we spoke before who doesn't have children loses that ability for that ultimate chesed, that natural chesed that comes from a parent to a child. Isuma is unable to do the chesed because he can't see what the needs of the other individual are. He can't anticipate the needs of the individual because he can't see what those needs are. And by definition, that will prevent them from being able to provide that chesed to other people. The same thing with Anani, because of his impoverished state, doesn't have the means by which to do chesed with other people, either because he's so involved in his own life, in his own issues, because of the aniyut, the poverty, causes him to be very self-focused and unable to look out beyond himself, or because of the fact that he lacks the means by which to do that chesed, because he can't afford to do that chesed. Now, the truth is that's true when it comes to tzedakah. It may not be true by gemilut chasadim, but gemilut chasadim, a person might be able to do that. But in Ani and himself, the nature of his self-focus and his being impoverished might prevent him from being able to do that. And the last case is in Mitzorah. In Mitzorah is also because in Mitzorah is badad yoshev mechutz lamachaneh. He stays out alone outside the machaneh. He's not with the people, so he doesn't know what the needs are. So all four of these individuals are prevented from doing chesed to others, and that's like being dead. When you don't do something for others, when you only focus on yourself and take for yourself, when you're self-centered and selfish, you are dead. The only way to be alive is to give to others. This is such an important uh, concept, especially in our day and age, that people think that it's what for me and what am I entitled to and what I get. And they don't realize that being alive means to give to others. And what I do for others, that's not what others can do for you, but rather what you can do for others. And based on that, that's the ultimate living, is when we emulate the Kodesh Baruch Hu and we do chesed like a Kodesh Baruch Hu does. Now the Rishonim over here discuss, out of these four options, how do we know that Datan Aviram, they were impoverished, and that's why Hashem calls them Meitim. So the Rishonim explained to us here, as well as earlier in the Masechta, we had this back on Dav Zayin, there the Ran also discussed it back then, the Rosh discusses it over here, but number one is, we know that they had Banim, because when it says that they were swallowed up by the Adama, it says, Haim, they're Nechsehem and Bnehem, that their children were swallowed up with them. So we know that they had children. So that certainly was not the reason. Mitzorah might have two possibilities. There it says, one says they were Bekerva Machaneh. They were in the middle of the Machaneh. So if they're middle of the Machaneh, they certainly are not Mitzoraim. Others suggest that they're not Mitzoraim because that wouldn't have prevented them from having influence with Paro. And so Mitzorah is not a reason to believe that they wouldn't have influence. Although the truth is in that day and age, if you were a Mitzorah, you didn't have any influence because you were really thrown out. It wasn't just something that's a subject of the Torah. In general, you were shunned if you were a Mitzorah, and therefore they might not have had influence with Parol. With regards to Suma, you can't say that because by Adat Korach, it says by Datan Vavriyam, Ha'enei Anashim Tinaker. They say to Moshe Rabbein, what, are you going to poke out their eyes so they can't see that you haven't taken them to a place of Zavat Chalav Udvash? So it's clear there that the Dan and Viram are seeing what's going on around them and they're not sumin. So the only thing that leaves you back with is Ani, Chashuv Kameh. So out of those four items, the only one that we can describe is Ani, and that would make sense. That's because their influence with Paro has now been diminished. In the past, they had tremendous influence because of their wealth, and people listened to them, and that's why they would do Mashin on Moshe. But once they fell in hard times and they became impoverished, they no longer had that influence with Paro, and that's what Akash Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, they're dead now. They can't cause you problems anymore. You can go back to Mitzrayim now because they won't cause you any problem. Now you could argue that Aniyut over here for Datan Vavriyam is no lot. So why don't we say that? So the Ran brings over here from Yushalmi that Aniyut is Mitzuya. Becoming impoverished or people being poor is a common occurrence and it's something that we could make as a reasonable assumption even at the beginning of the nether that a person might become impoverished. 
and therefore it's not deemed to be no lie. It's something that is a reasonable outcome or, or a reasonable assumption that a person can make. Okay, we're going to stop over here by the bottom of South Dalin with Beth, and we'll continue with the Gemara and Samachayam Aleph tomorrow.